Hello, I'm Sean Finnegan, and you are listening to Restitutio, a podcast to get you thinking about biblical and historical Christianity, to challenge you to follow Christ, and to inspire you to lead a consecrated life. Today is the second and final part of my interview with Leah Franzik on detoxing your brain. We began by talking about the importance of free will in affecting change before getting into the specifics of how to combat toxic thinking. In this episode, you'll learn about multitasking, daydreaming, community, forgiveness, and honesty, pretty typical subjects, but as they relate to combating negativity in your mind, which ultimately leads to what we talked about last time, structures in the brain. This episode will help you in your quest to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Here now is Interview 56, Detoxing Your Brain, Part 2, with Leah Franzik. So people wonder, do we have free will? Do we not have free will? And we know as believers that we do. We have free will. We We have the will to choose. We have the choice. So someone pulls in front of you. What do you do? Which, which, what happens when someone pulls in front of you? You ram them. Easy, <laughs> easy answer. Is that what Sean does? You just speed up and you just give them a little love tap. I give them a little love tap. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> so it's, it's funny because there's things that set me off and there's things that don't set me off. But I've been in a vehicle with certain people um, who someone pulls in front of them and their reaction is, is volatile. It's as if they had... Explosive. Yeah, it's as if someone had just killed their puppy and i'm like whoa calm down um and it turned it's rage for the next several minutes and then we could have been in a nice conversation well now that nice conversation is over and their face is red and their veins are bulging and this this happens i mean this is how quick thoughts go we're in this fight or flight we're not designed to be like that we are not designed to be like that every second every day have a choice we are not a victim we are not victims. Preach it, sister. I am not a victim. I I know I've played the, the role of the victim. And it wasn't intentionally. I, I didn't think I was intending to be. But choice after choice after choice is what we are given. We are given free will every moment to choose life over death. Death is toxic thoughts like we've talked about. Um, so in Deuteronomy 30.19... I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Choose life. You intentionally, we evaluate options we can choose. And it even talks about your children and your children's children. So that's kind of a little bit mind-blowing that the choices that we make and the thoughts that we have can affect future generations. So, okay, it's good and great that I want to heal my body and I want to look good and I want to feel good. But when I think about this in my thinking affecting those around me, but then if it's affecting people in my life that haven't even been born yet, it does sound really wild. But not only do scriptures talk about it, but science is proving it that cellularly we're even, we're passing these things on. And a lot of it starts in our mind. I'm not saying that we can't overcome these things. So when we say, oh, well, this isn't my genes or my parents had, they were alcoholics, so I'm an alcoholic. 
I don't think we're victims. I always thought we were, but I, I, I think we're less of victims than we give than we should be. There's choice after choice after choice to choose life. Right. I mean, you, you, you keep returning to this theme, and I, I really appreciate it, that we do have a choice and we can change, and we're not stuck forever just because some terrible thing happened to us or because we had crappy parents or because circumstances are difficult or we've been in an accident or whatever it is that God has endued us with such a design, such a robust, complex, interconnected collection of systems that we are able to heal. We are able to make progress. And this is something that I, I really like to get into a little bit more here, which is what is the practical side of this? I mean, and we should probably bring up the other the other uh, text, really important text on this whole subject, which is Romans 12, 2, uh, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This whole idea of being transformed by the renewal of our minds. This is a process. This is something that we are told to do and that is possible. And uh, even more so for Christians, for those of us who believe that God is with us, that God is active and involved in our lives, that he can partner with us to overcome a lot of these negative thought patterns that exist for whatever reason in our, in our lives. So share with us a little bit, Leah, about what you've, what you've learned as far as what to do and how to take control and what strategies, in particular, the, I'm, I, I'm curious about the ones that Dr. Leaf had mentioned that we can employ to arrive at change in our lives. How do we make this stuff practical in our life? Um, so I think we do live in a world of heavy stress. <laughs> and I'm sure anyone at this point has probably read the negativeness of stress. I mean, we can get into the science behind it, but stress is no good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many health, health effects of stress. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, my brother recently just got shingles, which is pretty rare. And uh, when he went to the doctor, the doctor said, I, I think you just, you're just stressed out, man. And uh, mm -hmm. you just need less stress and then you won't have this problem anymore. It was just like, wow. I mean, stress can can cause you to break out in sickness. It can cause you to have heart problems. I mean, stress can literally kill you if it's unchecked and it goes on long enough. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so, so I just want to read this one part, Consequences of Negative Thinking. So it says, throughout this book, the resounding message is that negative thinking creates atypical responses in the brain, which result in atypical manifestations. Studies have clearly demonstrated that people with a history of various types of depression exhibit differences in the regions of circuits of the brain associated with knowledge and socially acceptable behavior. Their thoughts and the choices they have made change their brain in a negative way so that instead of being convicted of wrong... In order to change, which is positive, they feel guilty and condemned, causing the positive to become negative. Um, other studies dealing with obsessive compulsive disorders and schizophrenia show definite changes in the brain from the negative to the positive when thinking is brought under control. Some scientists even describe these neuropsychiatric manifestations almost as though negative toxic thinking opens a gate that allows negative emotions to overwhelm them. And because mind changes matter, this negative thinking changes the brain structure. So... 
the rise of Alzheimer's is so high. We, I, we have a patient that came in, his, his mother just, just passed, I found out yesterday, um, from Alzheimer's, but the family would come in and talk about her decline and how exhausting it was in the family. And he said, you know, it would be a good business starting a daycare for parents, people with Alzheimer's, because it's so high and it's just getting higher. It's only getting hi- higher. This is, this is where our country is and this is where we continue to head. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be my future. Um, I don't think Sean wants that to be his future. I don't want, I don't think he wants his, his wife to watch people he loves to go down a route that could be avoided and controlling the mind may be one of the most biggest challenges, but it's something that we have to master because the, the, the scriptures talk over and over about renewing our mind and controlling our mind and focusing on good things. So what is stress? I mean, stress is what, honestly, like it's what I think, um, actually look up the definition of stress. I, I underlined it somewhere in here. Oh, wait, here we go. I got it. Wait, stress. Stage one stress is normal. This is our alert state that keeps us focused and conscious. And is this state we are in when we are thinking in alignment with God's stress stage two and three, however, is our mind and body's response to toxic thinking, normal stress gone wrong. Even a little bit of these negative levels of stress from a little bit of toxic thinking has far reaching consequences for mental and physical health. The dictionary defines stress as a condition typically characterized by symptoms of mental and physical tension or stress as depression or hypertension that can result from, listen, a reaction to a situation which a person feels threatened, pressured, etc. Synonyms for stress include anxiety, nervousness, fearfulness, apprehensiveness, impatience, fear, tenseness, and restlessness. Reaction, this is still Dr. Carolyn Leaf, is the key word here. You cannot control the events or circumstances of your life, but you can control your reactions. A few statistics confirm that 75 to 98% of mental and physical illness comes from one's thought life. There's just statistic after statistic in here. A study by the American Medical Association found that stress is a factor in 75% of all illnesses, diseases people suffer from today. It just goes on and on and on. And a lot of this is, by definition, it's a result from a reaction to a situation. And we act as if we are not in control of our actions. Well, we were given a sound mind. We were made perfect. We were designed perfectly. There might be a small fraction of us that's not perfect. 95% or more of us was designed perfectly. There might be 5% or less that's not and could, but we are more perfect than we give ourselves credit for. You are capable of controlling your reactions to things. And it takes a constant checking yourself. It's important to do. Otherwise, these things will grow and they will manifest. So so one, all right, how do we how do we control stress? I mean, that's a whole thing in of itself. But um, you know, they talk about the power of prayer. I mean, prayer, praying over things, praying over our food, it actually can change the physical structure of things. Um, and even quantumly things that happen with praying, um, studies they've done on just prayer alone affecting someone in a different part of the world that they're not even near. It's kind of mind-blowing. Prayer alone is huge. (laughs) Some other things, let's see, I had... So something I think that adds to our stress is 
multitasking. So Sean, do you multitask a lot? I try not to. Well, that's good. You're a man. Most men don't multitask. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's totally true. I, I, I am the, I am the stereotype. Like I, I get stressed out multitasking and I, I don't like it. Uh, but yeah, I do. And, uh, I try to limit it. Well, that's good. Um, so she talks about a milkshake, uh, stop milkshake multitasking. Um, so scriptures, um, in Proverbs 4, 20 verse 23, dear friend, listen well to my words, tune your ears to my voice, keep my message in plain view at all times, concentrate, learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live, really live, body and soul. They're bursting with health. Keep vigilant. Watch over your heart. That's where life starts. So the science behind that is that multitasking is a persistent, it's a myth. We think that this is what we should be doing. Paying deep, focused attention to one task at a time is actually the correct way. I mean, I can speak for myself. Sometimes I'm trying to do a few things at once and I'm not mastering anything in that moment. (laughs) we were designed to be deliberate in who we are and what we're doing um, and not be doing so many things at once. And we do live in a day and age that is crippling our mind and our brain and our body for that matter. We think we made, we make advancement in technology, but I think we take step backs of allowing our mind to do things it was designed to be doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is something that's preemptive as far as eliminating some stress from our lives. Another one that goes along with that is to keep a schedule that allows extra time in your day where not every minute is scheduled. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you could schedule time to have nothing pressing on you. Does, it, does yeah. that make sense what I'm saying? That makes sense. And that's actually, she, she talks about that. But yeah, this, the milkshake, this multitasking I mean, we have so much ADD, ADHD that are often, you know, what do they do? What do they do with a, a kid now if they have quote unquote ADD or ADHD? Adderall, Ritalin. Put them on medications medication. and these side effects are no good. It changes the structure of our brain and what mm-hmm. chemicals are being released. And then you know what happens and you need more and then you need more and then you need more slowing down, you know, this day and age of, uh, you know, 140 character tweet, you know, we're designed for more than that. We're designed for much more than that. Well, you'll be glad to know then that they recently upped it to 280. Well, that's good. That's like, <laughs> that's like two whole sentences. Really a uh, serious improvement there. Uh, well, she, she says that, um, let's see, scientists have found that the amount of time spent milkshake multitasking among American young people has increased by 120% in the last 10 years. According to a report in the Archives of General Psychiatry, simultaneous exposure to electronic media during the teenage years, such as playing a computer game while watching television, appears to be associated with increased depression and anxiety in young adults, especially among men. Considering that teens are exposed to an average of eight and a half hours of multitasking electronic media per day, we need to change something quickly. Um, and it also makes people more shallow. I would say, uh, we're designed to be, to be deep thinkers. The more a person thinks, the more folds in their brain take place. Um, so the more folds in the cortex of the brain, these extra folds allow the brain to process information faster, making decisions quicker and improve memory. So we can't get there if we're not taking time to be thinking, to be meditating. Uh, So you're saying we shouldn't have 
three or four windows open on our computer at the same time and be writing an email while composing a document and listening to music and then we got the news on all at the same time no not that's not, not really the most healthy way to to approach life no not consistently there should be i mean i'm not saying that we're not yeah, because not we be, can multitask i mean yeah we're capable. some people better than others i'm not so great at it but I've seen some people do it pretty well. Yeah. And and it's not to say that we're not capable of that, but constantly being in a stream of living in that way and not being deliberate. So you're saying you want to, you sh we should take time out for deep focus on a specific task for an extended period of time that that is really more optimal for brain functioning. Well, just, yeah, being intentional with what, what we're doing. So what else do you have as far as ways to deal with toxic thoughts? <laughs> All right. So these are a couple of things I had talked about in the the workshop, the thinker mindset. This is allowing the mind to wander, taking about seven to 16 minutes a day and having time to let the mind wander. It's healthy creativity, imagination. Um, I think uh, a lot of times people talk about mindfulness. This has kind of become more of a new age term. Mindfulness is good. However, with the detox brain, whatever I've gone, I've tr been trying to do on my own, there's there's a kind of um, a, a few things that you're doing during this time and it takes you beyond mindfulness. Taking that time to just think and, and let those those thoughts swirl around in your head without being distracted by work or by doing other things. That's really important. So limit your use of social media technology. Allow yourself, yeah, uh, seven to 14 minutes at least a day to be alone with your thoughts and go beyond mindfulness and be in what we called superposition. Well, what's that? So superposition is allowing these thoughts to kind of swirl around and just allowing them to happen. And then to go beyond that is to kind of identify what toxic thought am I having right now in this moment and how can I work on this? How can I take this and now develop something positive spin on that, which it was uh, something she gets into um, she calls it an active reach. So uh, here was an example for me. Um, I was feeling really low one day. Not, I was having feelings of just not feeling worthless, not good enough. And I think I shared this in the workshop, but I, I just en envision just flowing clean water. And, uh, and I just kept saying that that's me. Like I'm pure water i'm clean i'm refreshing i'm these this is this is who i am this is who i was designed to be i'm i'm perfect and i felt used by people and um i kept thinking well instead of thinking i wasn't enough i changed that thought to well of course they came and drank out of my well because it was really good water <laughs> so i i kept a cup of water near me and when my thoughts would start going into a negative i'm not enough i'm not good enough I would take a sip of water and I'd remind myself that that I was refreshing and, and good. And it was like an active thing to actually be doing. And she talks about an active reach. 
it's good to take that time to figure out where our toxic thought is. So then that during the day, should your mind spiral into that, whatever you're at work or whatever, you can capture it and then attack it and then have a way that you're trying to change that thought. And it's, it's going through the day of like a few to seven to 10 times a day. You might have to really check, check your thoughts. This reminds me of the scripture that you already alluded to in Second Corinthians 10.5, where it says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. And what you're saying is you need to take time out on a daily basis? Every day. Right. And this is sort of like a daydream time, which, of course, in school they told us over and over again, this is bad, you shouldn't do it, you need to focus. But you're saying there is a need for us to just sort of let the mind wander and not in such a way that it just goes bananas and into toxicity, but that when toxicity arises, that we would really address it and wrestle it down and find some way to deal with it and replace it with something positive. Exactly. So when we talk about neuroplasticity, you said it earlier, but we didn't really talk about it. So neuro is the brain. Plasticity is, you know, plastic. Plastic can be changed. So this can work against us or it can work for us. We can take a thought and we can destroy our brain. We could quite literally, a, a young child, if you say all the wrong things to them, you can destroy them. But neuroplasticity can work in our favor. We can change that way of thinking. We can neuro, we can change our brain. So, but that is taking the time to have time to think and let the mind wander. We think of Aristotle and Socrates and we think, oh, they're so smart and intelligent. But the fact is, is we are also just as intellectual and capable of, of that type of thinking. And, uh, okay, so we talked about um, emotions and I, we can't be victims of our emotions. Like, oh, I'm just an angry person. We are, it's a first a thought and then it turns into an emotion. And we can't fake our emotions don't fake it. You feel what you feel. Um, she talks about, and they get into topics of um, cognitive dissonance. So same thing with our words. The words that we speak is first something that's going on in our mind. And if someone says to you, how are you? And you say, I'm great, but you're not, you are causing yourself brain damage. You have to be true. You have to be authentic. If you are not feeling a certain thing and you're feeling sadness, it's okay to feel sad. We just have to realize that we can't stay in that place for long, but don't speak words that are not truth because that is causing you brain damage. Um, forgiveness. If you're holding on to grudge, if you, That's another good one. Yeah. yeah um, there's multiple studies that have been done on the healing of forgiveness and trying to let these things go. So the more you forgive, the more of a forgiving person you become and not forgiving and holding grudges has proven to cause havoc with your body system. Don't hold on to bitterness and resentment. Um, you don't want to grow mode dendrites on such a negative memory or thought. And if a person has been a toxic person in your life and they're in your life and then maybe it's time to walk away, but you have to forgive yourself first. You can forgive that person, but please don't forget to forgive yourself because um, you are just as important. Um, another, uh, the happiness, um, a mindset. Um, happiness is a choice. Sometimes think people think, oh, one day I'll be happy, but being happy is a choice and being in a state of happiness releases healthy endorph uh, hormones in our system. And when we're around people and experiences bring us joy 
that we can give others and laughter alone is proven to be as beneficial as running. So it's really good to laugh. Ha ha ha. Okay. That's so funny. Um, and, and laughing so much more enjoyable than running. So here's a couple other things that you could focus on. Um, so a time meant up, just know that these things take time. We're not going to heal overnight. You sometimes people set goals and goals are great, but goals are still a bandaid deep, deep down, you have to get to the root deep down. I don't know it. Only you can come to find that spending time with God and allowing those mind, those thoughts to swirl around and really focusing on where's that toxic thought. Um, and also a possible mindset. So the brain's natural optimism bias is a great predictor of entrepreneurial success in schoolwork and life. So look at the possibilities in life as opposed to the failures I like this. Thomas Edison declared after thousands of attempts of inventing the light bulb and asked about his quote failures, I've gotten lots of results. I know several thousand things that won't work. So key here is attempts are not failures. Attempts are results and their worthwhile knowledge that has been gained. So don't look at everything that hasn't worked out in your life as a failure. Look at as an opportunity of growth and what can you learn from it? What is God showing me? What can I learn from this? Um, a gratitude, being grateful. This is um, a life worth living, you know, being grateful for what you have. So there's been studies that have done who have lived this way and they live much happier, longer lives on a community. You need to be part of a community. Community involvement has been associated with a lot of mental health and cognitive resilience, reduction of chronic pain, lower blood pressure, and improved cardiovascular health. This I had read in one of her other books was um, one recent study showed that isolation and loneliness killed more people than obesity. Do not seclude wow. yourself. Do not crawl into your cave if you need to for a little bit, but come out. You have to come out of your cave. You weren't designed to be alone. Having a support mindset, social support is a huge predictor someone will succeed, especially during a difficult period in your life. Surround yourself with people that are going to build you up. If there are people in your life tearing you down, get them out, walk away, find people that will be supportive. And you also need to be supportive for other people. That's healthy for you. Expect good things to happen. And this spiritual part is a part of it. We are designed, we are spiritual beings, people who worship together. They've listened to people's heartbeats and they do um, beat together as they are worshiping and, and praise. And we are much more connected than sometimes I think we realize. So that is that I will end there. <laughs> uh, well, that's a great list. I really appreciate you going through this and giving us some practical ways of dealing with mental toxicity. Thanks so much for your research on this and for speaking with me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Sean. Well, that concludes our interview on this really interesting subject. If you'd like to check out the books by Carolyn Leaf that Franzik mentioned in this episode, you can do so on Amazon, or I just put a link on the show notes for this episode to a bunch of those books. And by way of conclusion, just before ending out here, I did want to mention that we do have this young adult event called Revive coming up in January, and I don't know how many of you are interested in hanging out for a weekend with about 80 other young adults, 20s, 30s, and 
sleeping in bunk beds at a YMCA camp and listening to uh, sermons and singing worship music and and staying up late talking about the Bible. But if if you are interested in that, or you know other young adults who are interested in, in that, uh, please let them know about Revive. This is where Leah originally had given this workshop, and and we are already working on planning that weekend for next year. It's going to be January 3rd through the 5th, and it's held in Woodstock, Connecticut. Not to be confused with Woodstock, New York, uh, but Woodstock, Connecticut. There's a YMCA there, Camp Woodstock, and uh, it's a a lovely place. We meet in an old barn, and we have a fire going, and there's lots of participation, lots of different speakers, lots of different workshops, and usually we have some sports as, as well as games in the afternoon depending on what you're into. So please put that in your calendar, January 3 through 5, 2020. We don't yet have any registration information up for that yet, but we will in the near future. I'll let you know when that when that happens as well as our theme. So please put that in your calendar. If you'd like to listen to previous Revive recordings, we do have those available. I'll put a link to, the, to this in the show notes for this episode. And uh, actually, I am going to be playing out a series of messages from Revive 2019 in a few weeks here. So that'll give you more of a flavor for the speakers and what it's like a little bit. That's it for this week. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to produce a, an episode with Maurice Chahilu of Kenya. I, I was fortunate enough to be able to score an interview with him in Kenya uh, just a, a couple months ago, and so I'm hoping that I can play that out here for you next week. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and remember, the truth has nothing to fear.